There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. I'm Eric. And I'm Michael. And this is Whitetail Boys. Let's go. Welcome back, everyone. Whitetail Bones, episode three. Can't believe we're here. I know. It's been a month, so Tyler says. <laughs> Which we have a very special host today. The guy who's been yelling at us to get another podcast out. Everybody <laughs> everybody thinks Tyler's just such a cool guy. And then behind the scenes, he's just... You just gave it away. He just He's just a boss. That's all he is, man. Tyler Jones is our host. <clears throat> <laughs> Nothing, huh? I don't know how to do these, Guy, man. He, he's a little, uh, he's a little afraid of I'm the white tail. Kind of scared of the podcast world, man. Yeah. Hey, it's okay. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm really glad that y'all are doing one. Um, backed by popular demand. It's crazy how the audience had to tell y'all to do another one, man. Yeah. Mm, Actually, yeah. Cassie Smith did tell me to do another one. Yeah. She said, Michael, you have a voice for radio. I said. I don't think that's a good thing, but you thank said you, a Cassie. face too. No, she did not say a face. She did not say a face. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm glad to be here, guys. I'm just just honored to be on the White Tail Bums podcast. Welcome to the Bum Life. It, I've been there before, but I think I think we got welcome to the Bum Life in, in the fact, past couple of years. I feel very bum right now. Bum tired. Mm, yeah, that three forty five alarm this morning was not a very fun one. No. Yeah, I want to hear about this because mm. I got a text at 7.20, mm. and it said, it's 7.20, and we still don't have two guys in the stand yet. No. It was, it was terrible. It was... Tyler said we had a worse morning a couple days ago, but I think today might have been the worst mornings I've ever had as a part of the element. <clears throat> I was Dang. more frustrated in that other morning. Yeah. This morning... I think my expectations were lower. Yeah, I can get that. <clears throat> when you're walking in and the sun's rising behind you, it's just not a very good feeling, though. No. Like, you're just kind of freaking out, trying to figure out the one thing that, set up. 
it's tough for Casey and I. I think we've actually killed a lot more bucks since we have split up. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of reasons, but one big reason is he and I could literally talk all day about anything. Oh, yeah. And so, like, we will plan. We'll be like, all right, tw- you know, 20 minutes for this. Let's do 15 for that. Oh, actually, let's do another five. Let's do 20 for that because you know something's going to happen. Let's add some time there. And by the time, you know, we're like, all right, we got to get up at 345. We got to leave at, you know, 415 or whatever time. And by the time – we get done like talking when we get out to get in the boat or we get, you know, whatever we're going to do. Like we're, when we get in the truck and we're like looking around or when I'm loading my stuff in his truck or whatever, we start riding together, man. Things get really tough. I thought it was so. very interesting. Last night we were all sitting around doing the math of when we need to get up. <laughs> and some, at some point we got to like a four, four, ten or something. And Casey, like we went and redid the math. And somehow it got to 420. I'm just not sure how we got that extra couple minutes. Well, because he just came up with a number. Mm. <laughs> and it he was just, like, ha- this just so happened to be. This is when I want to wake up and leave. So yeah, that's it just, we just so happened to be a, a like random number that was close. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean uh, I'm sure they got set up in pretty good time, but we had to walk. So did they yeah, drop you guys off first? No, we, we went in the same spot. We hunted oh. uh, two different sides of a slough. And, or a bayou or whatever you want to call it. And uh, bio. <laughs> and, uh <laughs> That's where the, I'm from. The, it's, yeah. <laughs> oh, bio. Uh, it's uh, the side that they hunted was right near the boat pretty close. And our side was like, I mean, it was at least, I mean, I never measured it under six-tenths straight line. Um, I saw some sevens in there, but I wasn't being super accurate. But, you know, it, we probably walked seven-tenths of a mile pretty easy, like, walking in through all the stuff. And it's, it was, you know, I had to cross a couple of, uh, like, feeders to that bayou and stuff. And um, it's just, yeah. Um, the main reason that we were getting in so late, I did my first interview at 7.52. Wow. Yeah. Um, we <laughs> I've never climbed up the tree and immediately had to put an ND filter on in the morning. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> Without saying much about where we are right now or anything we got into a tree um or we got to a tree that i thought was going to be the tree we need to get in and it's you know if we'd gotten this tree we'd have been hunting at a pretty decent time it wouldn't have been bad um so like it's big at the bottom but it's you know it narrows out a little bit so i've got these tethered one sticks and they've got am steel ropes on them that are pretty long i like it a lot like they're Mm -hmm. probably at least seven foot ropes and so I, I get this thing, the first one, like I have to go up high. This is a, this is kind of a trick I've talked about on the podcast before, but I have to get the, um, I have to get the, the first, like on some of these bigger trees, it won't go around at, you know, waist level. So I go up above my head and it's, it's thinner up there, at, you know, seven foot and I can tie that on and add, I always carry a three-step aider. So I drop this three-step aider off, and, it, I mean, about near, go to the ground nearly. It's probably four foot of Yeah, what aider is that? Uh, the Amsteel guy it's made it for Amstil me. I don't even know if he's making stuff anymore or not. Dude, but those aiders are really nice. I like and I don't want to say the brand <laughs> that, of stick we were running before, but those aiders will, like, pinch your foot. And if you're in a rubber boot, 
it is hard to oh, like yeah. not foot size the size of Tyler's. You definitely ain't yeah. I don't know how he can even get up in them, but those ones it's like a square. So yeah, when you put your foot in, there's no like getting mm-hmm. stuck. Yeah. And, like trying to get your foot out and mm-hmm. almost falling because well, you're trying to get your foot out. And I appreciate those old aiders too because the, like when you need them, you need them. Yeah. So I, I mean, I appreciate sure. them, but like uh, it's it's handy to just to have it come out, you know, mm-hmm. and be there. But yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we, we go up first stick and I go essentially an aider, like a three step aider plus four sticks. And I go, I get all the way up. We're probably like, we're, at, we're, at least 16 foot, if not higher. I don't know. You're up there. Um, you and up there? I get up there, and I he sends me a platform. I'm like, hey, send me your platform. And I take uh, our platform, and I put it around the tree. And this tree did not thin out very much. Mm-hmm. And, I, dude, I'm talking, I had the rope maxed out, and it literally was two inches from going on there. In fact, did I get it on at some point? On there? No, you never got that one on. Okay. So, uh, well, no, I did. You did. You did. You How like, did I do that? You like twisted it to the side yeah. and then put it on there and <laughs> yeah. just got it on jank. And you, but then you I looked was down like, at me and you went, <sighs> and I was like, oh, this is not about to be good. This is <laughs> something bad just happened. Yeah. It's, there was no tail on the strap. Yeah. And you were like, I just, I can't get it any more tight. I do not feel good about I this. I was hoping I could like fingertip pull that tail out a little bit and tighten it down, cinch it down. And I could not get the tail out because it was just that close. I mean, and so I was like, this is just not safe, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could sit there and be, you know, locked into the tree with Lyman's belts and all that. But, like, it still just doesn't feel good when your platform gives out and you start falling down the tree, you know. It's also and really different when you're 20 foot, 20 foot up mm-hmm. instead of 6 to yeah. 10. Like, yeah, it's a big difference in if you yeah. fall. So I set up. A platform, four sticks, and a three-step aider, and decided um, we should not sit in that tree. Mm-hmm. So we tore the whole thing down. Michael's, like, moving stuff while I'm tearing stuff down. And we rush over to this other tree. It's 15 yards away. It's not the ideal tree. It's got a lot more limbs on it and stuff that uh, are kind of like little limbs that are in the way more than anything um, and kind of make a lot of noise with leaves on them and stuff. It's an oak tree, but it's a little bit smaller. Um, and anyway, long story short, we get up there, but it takes, you know, we were not settled and ready to shoot a like opening interview in the tree until seven fifty two. Let me ask you this. Cause I've sat in a lot of trees with you. What up Casey and Greg? Wait, so <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler's making us. But back to my question. <laughs> Michael uh, hates it. No. I sat in a lot of trees with you, and a lot of them are complicated. But mm-hmm. you also pick the right tree a lot of the times. So, like, what what are you looking for when you're trying to decide the right tree? Hold that thought. I have an announcer for everyone. <laughs> my wife thinks White Hill Bums is awesome. We already yeah. talked about it. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> um we well, I mean, it just depends, you know. Like, there's there's a lot of experience that goes into that, probably. Um, but I think there's also like something we've talked about on the podcast for, but creativity is something that you got to look at too. And then as far as like choosing the right tree, I don't know exactly what you're asking, but you may be asking just like picking the right one. Well, we you always take your time, like oh yeah, choosing the right tree. Yeah, and I know a lot of guys are just like. 
I'm just going to sit in that tree because mm-hmm. it looks good. But you well, take your time when you do it. I do. In my opinion, uh, I mean, if I if I hunted by myself, it would be different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't take quite as long. But you have to do – you have to look at where all the limbs land and think about yourself as a right-hander and how you're going to get shots as a right-hander. Um, a lot of people don't understand, but, like, they will they will – you know, put a ladder stand up facing directly where they want to shoot. And it's like, if you're right-handed, you got to square up. If you're left-handed, you got to square up the opposite way. Like, but you cannot just be facing and pull your bow back to your sternum, you know? Mm -hmm. So you have to square up just like if you were going to hit a baseball. And so you think about that and see where your platform will land. If it's going to be straight in that section that your platform is. And then I usually try to put my cameraman on my right-hand side and so I have to think about his situation. If he can get in there on a close level with me or maybe slightly higher, sometimes you end up a little bit lower, but not always. Uh, most of the time it's even or a little bit higher. And then does he have shots? You know, can he video from that too? And then also just like how much cover is this one got compared to that one? How many shots? One thing that a lot of people <clears throat> do uh, wrong, in my opinion, also is they'll set up in a good tree. <clears throat> but there will be a big bushy, you know, crown of like a, a smaller tree that is, you know, it starts at six foot up and goes all the way up to 15 foot. And it's right next to the tree that you're sitting in. And it's like <clears throat> you can't really shoot off of it. You can't see over it or through it, you know, very well. Like when you've got leaves right in your face, you just can't see through that mess very well. So you can't see deer coming from that direction. Mm-hmm. So I like to I like to pick trees that have don't have other trees beside them too much they don't have any blind spots you know um so that's i mean that's kind of generally my thoughts and then i just think about wind and stuff like that and um you know if the wind is uh perfectly advantageous for you it's probably not probably not the best you want to pick something that like you feel like the deer are going to move because they have a decent wind at some, at some in some direction it's not like on their tail even though they will walk in on their tail. <laughs> they definitely will from time um, to time. But that was a light wind, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, Very, so. Uh, switchy. Yeah, it's not like a just uh, 15 mile an hour at the tail. So I would definitely say your camera guys, I would say definitely one of your camera guys really appreciates not having bushes in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When it is some open. Like, Where's he going with this? Hardwoods. Don't be making that face, Casey. <laughs> Facey. When it is oomping hardwoods, it is uh, camera guys' just best dream. Oh, yeah. It can't be any better. But deer don't like it. So. No, raccoons do, though. Raccoons definitely <laughs> do. I, I can't heard. wait for people to see the Nat Geo. I was going to say, I heard you raccoon. got some sick raccoon footage. Dude, I don't know if the element has better raccoon footage. I don't know if people do, dude. Mm. It's going to be awesome. I hadn't seen it. I mean, who knows? Might be out of focus, but. No, it's in focus. It I is very it. in focus. That oh, reminds yeah. me, uh, when I was editing Rut Fresh, oh, no. I, KC said something about a cross. What a was crossed. that about? <laughs> <laughs> what was that about? I can't really answer. Listen, well, he, listen dude. Do, do northern people say crossbow? <laughs> yeah. Do they? I didn't know that. Okay, then never mind. <laughs> no, we do not. It is crossbow. It's not a crossbow? No, it's not a crossed the bow. 
Even though I guess it kind of does go across the bow. Across? Yeah. No. <laughs> it makes a cross. Okay, you're done with this podcast. <laughs> uh, we also have uh, Greg just walked in. Greg. And he wasn't on the last White Tail Bone. Does he podcast. need to get my headphones? That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Maybe we take a break here and get Greg. Greg, on because on the- he's got some things to talk about. Just hop. The hop wants you to hop on <laughs> the, hop the podcast. Requested. Thanks for joining, though. Hey, thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Thanks for the question, Michael. I hope uh, I hope you can get that uh, inside out shirt off and get you a shower at some <laughs> no, point. Dude. Y'all don't have to do this much longer. But. No. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth there's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the sunshine state or any other destination on your fishing bucket list book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. What's up, Greg? Um, I'm here. It's been a while since the last time you were on this. How yeah, was been, the, uh, been a little busy. You've been hunting like pretty much all November. That yeah, <laughs> surprisingly. Like, uh, How many days were you hunting your property? Uh, I went down there the first time, and I probably got to hunt five straight days. It was mm. uh, 
you know, as a cameraman, I, I did not expect to get to hunt five <laughs> of the like premier hunt days and you know the first part of november but you had some good days though right yeah i saw a lot of bucks but um i haven't put in the work on my property to like set it up to be like really huntable for the rut Mm. like i've got a couple feeders and a couple of setups but it just uh like I have no trees like prepped to like oh, just yeah. hop in a saddle and go mm-hmm. hunt. So there's not a lot of trees around, from what I remember. I mean, there's a few here and there, but it's a lot of it's a lot of thick like, yeah, like thick, cedar and like yeah. there's some live oaks. But I mean, unless you like get in there with a chainsaw and like yeah. cut some yeah, shooting lines, a lot of trimming. Is that what makes the turkey uh, sit up in that one tree? You think? There's, yeah, he. Yeah, I can't think of the word ro- roost. Roost. Yeah, the roost tree. <laughs> Um, they like the, they like those live oaks right there on the edge there and they can. Dude, he was roosting in the same tree every time he would roost on Greg's property. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about a turkey I killed in this past spring. I think that video will come out this spring. Yep. This coming spring. But, uh, that was pretty cool. Casey was... got to film that one. Dang, dude. Casey just <laughs> took over from where I started. I'm but, jealous. Uh, but anyway, the yeah, the property's not really I haven't done much work to set it up for bow hunting, especially during the rut. Because I have a couple setups on feeders, but other than that, it's kinda hard to hunt. But so did you hunt mostly on feeders or in between, like trying to work movement going to feeders? Yeah, on the first trip I was I was mostly just trying to get where I could see, and I I got up in the tree that I, I killed a buck out of last year, mm-hmm. and it's one of the few trees that you can, like, get up, and I, I like that tree because you can see a lot, but you're not really intruding too far yeah, and messing sure. things up. Access is real good on that tree. So I can just, like, hop out there, get up in that tree, and mm-hmm. I can see some stuff, and I can slip out without messing up too Dude, much. Dude, when we were turkey hunting... <clears throat> Obviously, it was in the spring, so it was, you know, a little different mindset. We, there were deer going everywhere. I could not believe <laughs> all the deer that, like, we were pushing out of there. I was like, Dad, gummit, Greg, you got a spot over here. Yeah, it's it's been, the last couple of years have really picked up there because, like, my neighbors, like, quit hunting. Mm, and that will I've, definitely do it. Last couple of years, I've, I've started to feed all year long on the feeders. Oh. So I'm trying to hold deer all year long, and it seems to be paying off. Are you primarily throwing corn, or what are you throwing? Uh, throwing, I got three corn feeders, and um, every once in a while, now this is my secret, but I guess I'll share it. Dang, <laughs> but, dude. Exclusive Greg right here. Every time I go and fill the feeders, I'll, you know, I'll dump a bag of protein pellets on the ground, mm. and the, the deer, for whatever reason, they hammer that stuff hmm, even weird. after they're done growing antlers interesting like the anywhere from the lead up to the rut they just the the mature bucks just hammer that stuff hmm. golly and in october that's a good way to kill one yeah um but, so <clears throat> last year when you shot that buck i was just wondering a little bit ago was that your first deer you shot out of a tree yeah that's what i thought because you, you do a lot of ground hunting yeah I, you know i i got a saddle you know joining the element and 
that was the first deer I've ever shot out of a tree or out of a saddle. I I shot deer out of a tripod. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the Texas the brush country thing to do. I can definitely see a tripod being real nice on your property. I wish I had like five or six I more know. of those things. But we need a tripod sponsor bad. For yeah. real. I can't, I can't find any of the good ones. Like, they used to make these like really good tripods like in Texas and you could find them. Mm-hmm. But now you got these like kind of cheaply made ones that are like Academy or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you got to assemble it all yourself and it's got mm-hmm. all these different parts and pieces. So, oh. how many shooter bucks did you see that first week of November? First week, I saw probably four to five Golly. that I would shoot mm-hmm. on on that trip. I was kind of trophy hunting a little bit because I, I knew I'd get a chance to go back around Thanksgiving, and uh, I thought that would be my best chance to shoot like a... A giant. Mm-hmm. Dude, I lose track of how many shooter bucks you have on Dude, that property. They're there all day. It was <laughs> like the Greg. <laughs> today, it was was like w- the, today was wild on the trail cameras. Was there, it? There was a buck locked down with a doe for like four hours. Golly. Dang. The Moultrie app was literally just the Greg home property app for like <laughs> a solid five weeks in. <laughs> yep. We had to uh, make those smart folders. Yeah, seriously. We, we had to like store <laughs> them out. Yeah, you got to keep Greg's those folders out of there. <laughs> But uh, you went back on Thanksgiving, and what happened there? Yeah, um, I on my property, I I try to shoot a buck before Thanksgiving because it kind of gets a little tough. Like uh, I feel like our rut peaks around November seventh and eighth, and uh, mm. y- you'll see some like hit and miss activity uh, throughout the rest of the season, but. Uh, for whatever reason, historically, I've killed bucks on or, like, the day after Thanksgiving, like, a lot. Now, it might just because I'm up there during mm-hmm. that time, but and I've killed, like, four or five mature bucks on those two days. I feel like it might be, and this is just me completely spitballing, but the rut kind of winding down, I feel like they're just coming right back to those feeders and just really... Yeah. Not concentrating per se, but sort of. Yeah, and that that definitely plays into it. And um I was reading this study uh while I was there and um Golly studious. <laughs> and uh you know, there's a Texas Hill Country like study of like rut dates and the far like one part of the Hill Country like peaks around seventh and eighth. And we go a little further out and it's like it's around Thanksgiving, and then you go a little further out, it's like early December. Well, I'm kind of right in between some 7th and 8th and some November 24th. Mm. So I think I have a little overlap of Dude, Texas rut activity. Is a weird place. So I think it's like 70-30 on my property, like 70% you know, of the rut happens on November 7th and 8th, and Gosh. You know, 30% is on Thanksgiving. Because I always see some pretty good activity around Thanksgiving for whatever reason. I've never been so confused about like when the rut is until I moved to Texas. Yeah, it gets like complicated. In some places it's normal dates. Sometimes it's around Thanksgiving. Sometimes it's in December. It's like what is going yeah. on? Yeah, it gets complicated. Like in the South. But like, I guess that's what happens when your state's the size of countries. So you could literally <laughs> in Texas hunt the rut from September to January. 
It's insane. It seems like if a good cold front just comes through, they just they just do the rut thing. It seems like yeah. If, if you're close to the rut and you get a cold front, like it it goes crazy, snaps it. Yeah, and that's what I saw on the first trip. The first trip was insane. Like there was like one day I saw like a buck every hour of the day. Mm-hmm. What were the like what would a cold front be in the hill country? Like uh, temperature wise. I mean, any kind of like just 15, 20 degree temperature drop, oh. even if it's from like 80 to like 60. Mm. Like I can remember days in October, some years where like it'll drop from like being low nineties to like 70 all of a sudden, 75 is like the high and mm. that'll get the bucks like up cruising. Mm, spooky. So Michael, let me ask you this. Oh no. Since you're from the Midwest. Sometimes I get thoughts when it is just really cold. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, is it too cold for deer to move? Oh. Do you ever have that feeling? No. Because <laughs> yes. Tyler does. <laughs> Tyler is yelling about it because he don't like the cold. But there's sometimes it's like, too cold for Tyler to move. It seems like, man, it is freezing. <laughs> they should be moving and then just nothing. How cold are we talking here? I'm I talking think like there teens is... and like single digits. I think, y- Yes. They are going to stick on food, but they're still going to be moving early, mm-hmm. earlier in the day. Probably. But they're going to be closer to the food. <laughs> Tyler says no. Nope. You don't think so? Uh, I've seen some days. It depends. It's like relative to the place that you're at, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably not. I've seen some days like around zero in Kansas where just it's nothing. just too cold. Unreal, like no movement. <laughs> Oh, I don't like to hear that. <laughs> yeah, if you get some some crazy in Texas, I think it could shut down some stuff. But I don't know. I've seen some trail camera pictures from the public stuff around home. But it's snow on the ground, real it, cold. If you get Bucks snow on the ground, I think there's snow on the ground. Yeah. If you get snow on the ground in Texas, deer go everywhere. Yeah. Like that's like I've a once in fifteen year thing. <laughs> Pretty much because it's just ice otherwise. <laughs> once in 15 years (laughs) so you was it after thanksgiving when yeah uh well i went down probably like the 21st and i hunted a couple days and it was pretty slow and uh i was getting kind of down i was starting to feel like you weren't gonna get one wasn't gonna get one i had this this uh nine point on camera that was like hit his like eye swollen shut and mm-hmm. i saw him on the hoof one time and he was limping like really bad and i was like i, I probably have a good chance of shooting this guy he's blind and <laughs> limping around <laughs> but uh but uh one morning it was like what was this i guess it was friday black friday morning mm. and uh i went out and right about eight o'clock have a doe come walking down the road and head straight to the feeder and I keep looking behind her, and here he comes. I see him limping oh, down the road. Oh, limp. <laughs> and he was, like, shadowing her and, like, like wouldn't leave the downwind side of her. And uh, he was 15 yards from me, and he's about to walk, like, straight down the road, get right in front of me. I'm about to shoot him at 20 yards. It's about to be perfect. And uh, for whatever reason, like, I've got some brush piled up around this, like, spot so that, like, deer don't go into the thicket with me. Mm-hmm. Like I try to keep a little barrier. Mm. And so I'm in there and he's at 15 and all of a sudden he just decides to come in here with me and he just hops over the brush and gets to like seven yards. Oh my goodness. And so I'm, 
I'm like I don't get buck fever really, but when I'm out of position <laughs> like that, man, I start breathing hard and got the gray guys going. Gray Let's guys are deer. going. I watched this deer. He yawned at like seven yards. That was pretty cool. I didn't get any of this on film because I'm self filming. It's mm-hmm. just he's not supposed to be there. He's yeah. supposed to be in front of the camera, but and then he does a. He does a snort wheeze at seven yards. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I caught the audio of that, and it was pretty cool. The, <coughs> the doe kind of freaked out. and like It's a good way to freak me out for sure. Yeah, I, I was freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> but he gets to – so he's at seven yards, and uh, he's got an injured back leg, and that's why he's limping. And um, he kept turning his head to, like, lick his back leg, and he would do it for long periods of time. And he did it twice. I'm like, okay, if he does that again, I'm just going to draw and shoot him frontal at seven yards. Oh, my goodness. And uh, he turns his head to lick his back right leg. And uh, I look at the doe. She's looking away. And so I go. I have to move the camera arm out of the way to, like, draw back. And when I move the camera arm, the doe caught me. Mm. And she she bolts. And the buck is just standing there, doesn't know what's going on. And at this point, I'm convinced he's blind because – at seven yards, I was able to, like, turn my body, like, 90 degrees and, like, pull my bow up, and he did not once look at me. Hmm. And so I started drawing back, and I had a couple of creaks in my oh. in my bow, and uh, he didn't like it. Mm. He bolted. Out of there. Blind but so, not deaf. Yeah, he can still hear pretty good. But uh, he ran off, and I felt, you know, I'm like, my chances are... That's it. Not in. good. That's Th- it. This is over. Yeah. But uh, there was another buck that was getting on camera, and he was cruising around the property pretty regular. He's a good eight point. I was like, yeah, I'd shoot that if I see that. And so I decided to go to the ba- same spot that night. And um, about 530, hear footsteps about 25 yards behind me, and he mm. starts walking up. And uh, he starts eating oats. I planted oats in this little, just a small little plot. Like, I, I was going to get some rain. I planted it the last time I was down there in hopes that maybe Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. I just tried it. I didn't know if it was going to, you know, when I went in there to hunt, I was like, oh, good. The oats came up. I was like, that's cool. Golly, dude. But um, he was eating oats, and he walked through the oat patch and kind of headed up towards the feeder. And on camera, like he doesn't, he doesn't stay there long. Like he usually just like walks up, maybe eats a little bit of corn, and he's gone within a minute or two. Like, so I knew I had to do it quick. And uh, he walked out to about fourteen yards. Mm. Golly, can't dude, do that's anything a better good than that. Range turned right his there. head, turned his head the opposite direction. Uh-huh. I was like, all right, here we go. I drew <laughs> back. I mean, he heard me draw back, and he whipped his head around. And it was too, too late, late. Too late. And it's a quick bow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I aimed. I'm used to shooting slow, slow bows, oh, and slow uh, bow. so I aim at the bottom of his heart, and I hit him in the bottom of the heart. Nice <laughs> smoke, dude. How far did he run? He ran about 57 yards, is what I marked it, and pretty easy blood trail. And now, when you're self filming, how is the recovery trying to do all that? <laughs> do the recovery is hard. Uh, uh, it's. Not the easiest thing. Probably the best thing to do would be, I only had one light. (laughs) 
Casey just ripped off uh, Michael's Crocs. Golly, dude. <laughs> Those things probably stink. I'm sorry, dude. Got a little sweat to him. Got a lot of sweat, dude. I'm telling you. But anyway, yeah, self filming a recovery is kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd recommend doing like a GoPro at yourself and then like filming front. But I only had one light, so I'm like flipping around, changing the lighting, <laughs> and then flipping it back around. And so it's a. I think I made a video. And cool. That video should be. Out fairly Dude, the soon. footage is sick for yeah, I got a cell the, film. I, I got the shot on film. I kind of knew where the part. shot would happen. So yeah, for sure. I was like, kept it on that spot. I don't think a lot of people understand how hard it is to kill a deer self-filming. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's by a feeder. I do not care. It is tough to get yeah. one. And uh, what's uh, bad for filming, but at, a lot of times you can be like, all right, I'm just going to kill this thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. definitely good. <laughs> and that's how you not get it on film. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. But uh, luckily I was able to get this one on film. Did you fully capture the Greg eyes on on GoPro or something? Uh, the celebration fist dude, bump, uh, Greg eyes. Got a fist bump in There's there. There's a lot of left, uh, dude, lefty fist pumps going down. People don't understand how intense the Greg <laughs> eyes are. Greg sees a big buck and it dude, is Dude, it's like, anything. What do you I, mean anything? When we went... With Brian to hunt hogs, and Greg took the rifle to shoot that coyote. Oh, dude, I, I forgot like, about that. This man's on a mission all of a sudden. <laughs> That's yeah, when we knew uh, Greg was going to be a killer. What are you right making? Eggs. Eggs, cool. There we go. Well, hey, sweet, dude. Congrats. Yeah, yeah, thank you. It was a lot of fun. And one of he's probably the second biggest buck I've shot on that property with the bow. So First nice, one was dude. last year? Yeah. Yeah, dude. That, That's awesome. Yeah, last year's buck was a... Was a toad, Tank. but uh, this one is no slouch, and I was lucky to kill him. Well, Casey's whipping lucky us up uh, some eggs right now. We're hungry, so Tyler just had a video release on the Meat Eater channel sure from South did, Dakota, dude. so be sure to check that out, and hopefully we will record another one of these. We need to record soon. another one before <laughs> we all go our separate ways for Christmas. For oh, yeah, we sure. will. So thanks for listening, guys. See ya. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.